Okay, Daniel, that was very special, wasn't it, Thursday night? Where does that rank in the huge amounts of shite we've seen since Fergie retired? It was real classic post-Fergie wilderness years. I actually said to a friend, all we need now is an injury, forgetting that Martial had been injured already. Yeah, I and, and I think that he got injured because Maguire trod on him. <laughs> I didn't, re- didn't realise that. <laughs> Which is... Is oh you, you've just... got enough you gotta love these guys. How can you not love these guys? That is special. Yeah, it, I mean him hobbling off was as inevitable as, as death and taxes, of course. It was gonna happen at some point in the season. Just to bring Vout on for the dynamic forward play that we were gonna get there. And like just every single part of that was perfect wilderness years crap, wasn't it? Did you know that in the time that United played in this tie without Harrence Maguire on the pitch. We win 2-0. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and with Harrence Maguire on the pitch, <laughs> we lose 5-0. That is Now, amazing. I don't... I think the thing with him is that... I mean, there are lots of things with him, but I think fundamentally he's gone as a United player mentally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he... He overeggs it. I didn't actually see an apology hostage video from him last night. So maybe maybe he's given up on that as well. But you're right. The kind of, I don't need to prove anything. I, I've played 200 games for this club. It's all of that kind of arrogance. I, I think a lot of that is just a front, isn't it? He, yeah, the focus, it's not there. Just the inevitability of Dave playing a five-yard pass and Harry Maguire not being able to turn with the ball and pass it. <laughs> so this is one of the great controversies of that game. The really great ridiculous controversies of that game is whose fault was it? Why does it need to be either his fault or his fault? Why can't, no, they, both exactly. be, why can't they both be twats? They're both twats, although I, I'm erring on the side of defending Dave a little bit because they've clearly been working on trying to play out from the back. I mean, he doesn't want to do it. He just wants to launch it because he shits himself a little bit every time he has to play a, a straight ball. But every time there's a straight ball into Harry Maguire with his, his, he's facing Dave, it's a world, a world of pain coming. And it's so inevitable. You have to be sensible. I, 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 I was playing in this game at university and I, we used to, I was playing in the, in the seconds because I had nothing better to do. And the goalkeeper rolled the ball to someone who was like a classic seconds type player. And before I'd thought about not being a dickhead, I said, be fucking sensible. Nice. Like, don't give the ball to that person in that ever, but particularly in that position. Yeah, yeah. And like Martinez is someone who wants the ball in that position. Yep. He's brilliant on the ball in that position. Maybe the best in the world, actually. A coach was someone who's a coach at a Premier League team was saying to a friend of mine last week that there's no one in the world who's better at baiting the press than, yep. than Martinez. But De Gea has to know, like, number one, there's Maguire, who turns he turns extremely slowly yeah and also seems to think quite slowly too yeah and also at the stage of the game that it was just just get get it get a foot in the game get settled quieten the crowd and then you're in more of a position to start doing your thing but what was the best possible outcome of that pass what was it yeah i mean maguire like does it on the half turn, as you should, and then plays it through the lines into midfield. I suppose, <laughs> but, that, but it's, it's not that it's you're not your risk factor is quite high, very, and very your reward high. factor is quite low. Yeah, 
And I mean, I, they're just, it's just so, it was just such a ridiculous thing to do. And it was on, on both of them. Maguire, you don't want the ball there. And part of me was thinking, has Maguire conned De Gea into giving him that pass by constantly like banging on about how good he is? <laughs> well, he, he, he's definitely showed for the ball. I mean, you can say that. He calls, he calls for it. You can see, yeah. you can see he wants it. I'm dead good, me. Give me the ball and I'm going to beckon Barrett out of it. <laughs> I mean, it is stunning. There, there's something about, I mean, because like individually, it's not like Maguire hasn't and can't play at Premier League level, right? He, he can. And so is Dave. And we know his qualities. And Lindelof, less at fault specifically yesterday, but a part of the triumvirate. Put them all together and they pull each other's level down. All of them. De Gea is, De Gea is a player who like, obviously thrives with confidence ahead of him. And having to have a deeper line, five-yard deeper line with Maguire and Lindelof in there, not wanting to be proactive, not communicating at all, ever, after 12 years at the club, just seems to make it worse. And they seem to feed off each other's nervousness. And it's sometimes good, not good, but to have a game like that, because it's like, okay, it is now extremely clear what needs to happen, like Brentford. Yeah. And I'm sure that I'm sure that he wants rid of De Gea, but he probably isn't sure that he can get rid of him this summer and get in a replacement who's Well, you can certainly get rid of him, but yeah, it's the replacement that's to get in a replacement that you know is going to be better. Because at least with De Gea, we are still getting the saves. Like he he had a nightmare he had a nightmare last night, but he has saved us quite a lot this season. And realistically, if we're going to make anything of what's left. He's going to have to, again, because we don't have our defenders. And we could talk about all the things that are wrong. But ultimately, if you take Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, Lissandro Martinez, Rafael Varane and Bruno Fernandes equivalents out of any team, they will struggle. Never mind this one that's got a decade of terrible signings still involved. No, no, that's all all very true. I mean, I I do think with Dave, I, I, I... I've got to the point where on on balance, even with the financial aspects of it, I, I can't really see the benefit of him staying on a mega contract because he's not staying to be the reserve keeper. It doesn't make any sense. But even if he's taking half the pay he was on, it doesn't make any sense giving someone a Phil Jones contract for him to be on the bench. So he's going to remain the keeper and it's going to continue to be a limitation in the team with the way that Ten Hag wants. So he, Ten Hag either has to give up on the idea of playing out from the back even though he's got two ball-paying centre-backs as his first choice, or we're going to have to launch it. And he's gone swung from one pole to the other this season, understandably, because he's trying to make the best of a bad world. And and then I was, I was digging into the data, and it's very imperfect science looking at data with goalkeepers, obviously. I mean, there's we could spend an hour talking about post-shot XG and like how it's could not we? very... We could. We could. <laughs> yeah. Everyone would Worst turn off. say... <laughs> Worst episode of Just a Minute ever. Yeah. So anyway, it's a very it's a very imperfect model, I think, for measuring goalkeeper quality. But you take that and his percentage pass, his completion, his his catch or claim rate, his percentage save rate, which is significantly down this season, right? There's probably about fifteen metrics you could look at. His ex goff, on the other hand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's he's not ex goff, is he? He's still very much in (laughs) goff. He anyway, you'd place him in the bottom quartile of goalkeepers in the Premier League on the data alone. Yet we know with our own eyes that he can still pull off those worldies and he has saved us 
and that is important, but I think it's a little bit of a trick of the mind. And probably the 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 most sensible decision from the club, if it wasn't only about finances, would be to bring in the next keeper who can play with his feet. And they're all available. I mean, if we David Raya is a good goalkeeper, I don't know that he is as good like in some of the areas where Dave excels, but he's great with his feet. I mean, one of the very best, if that's what Ten Hag wants in a goalkeeper. And he would be cheap-ish because he's got a year left on his contract. So. One of my friends sent me a list of grudges with Tchaya this morning. Semi-League Cup 2014, nearly against PSG after we scored the pen. Semi-FA Cup 2020, last group game, Champions League 2020, Europa Final 2021. He hasn't even got one of my favourites is that that Chelsea game in the first year of Ole, I think it was, where we're trying to get in the Champions League. And he'd been dog shit for about three or four months, really terrible. And he just he spilled one when we were winning. And that yep. but, I mean, all all goalkeepers make mistakes. The question is, is it worth spending money on someone who is a bit better than him? Who isn't the guy that you actually want? Yeah, no. I, I mean, I always had this theory and like, it's just yeah, whatever. It, it may or may not be true that it's much better to buy one brilliant player than three average players. And and the transformational effect of, say, if we went out, we're, we're able to go out and find the next, name the goalkeeper, whoever's best in the world and, and spend a lot of money, that makes a, it's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, I, I, I always think... I can't believe I, I was in I was in Selfridges once and there was these jeans I wanted and they're about 230 quid or something and I decided not to buy them. And then I went and I bought I had a friend who worked at Tommy at the time, so he got massive discounts on Tommy stuff. So I bought a couple of the jeans from Tommy. And I never yeah. wore them because they were so crap. You, you got yourself <laughs> a pair of average centre backs there, didn't you? Instead of right. the world. I always I always think about it, and it's actually funnily enough, one of those things that reminded me that encouraged me to go and eat humble pie with my now wife and return to go crawling back because I knew that she would never have allowed that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the thing that is good. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's, I think that's very, I mean, the, the consequence of doing that. So there's always consequences. Like I know, I know like it, it, a lot of people would say, Hey, why are we bothered with money? And it doesn't matter, but it does. There's knock on effects, especially with financial fair play. Now, if you're going to play within the rules, Every purchase has a knock-on effect. And and the purchases of Harry Maguire, Anthony, and a bunch of other really expensive signings have had a knock-on effect to United's spending. So in the winter, we got Marcel Sabitzer and Val Vekos, not he was someone dreadful better someone night. better. <laughs> Sabitzer, 50% pass completion rate by the time they kicked him out of the game. And he made about 20 passes. He was he dreadful. Was, he was absolutely hideous. And I think... And that's here's another one like that game. And I don't, I don't want to be reactionary and say you did that in that game, so piss off. But his performance last night was probably enough for me to say he's a. I was leaning towards not keeping him, and he's now. Yeah, that's a not keep. I'm not having that. I, I mean, just I, the only reason you do that trading is because you think he's like marginally better than, say, Scott McTominay or Fred, and you could get some money from selling Scott McTominay and Fred. But I don't, there's nothing like he just happened to be around, and just happened to be around. And I think that's not good enough reason to sign someone permanently, is it? No, he, he, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a decent player, and you might. But would I, if I was signing someone for squad depth, which is what he would be signed for? He's not a starter, clearly. Then I'd rather try and sign someone five years younger than him, right? Who might go right. on to be good, but also we've got two players who might be good. 
Yes. So, so I, I, I don't. Yeah, Zabitzer is. I mean, I'm sure he'll have some good games for us between now and the end of the season. But he's he's a no. Veghorst is a no, and I don't know. I don't like to talk about Jaden Sancho the way I like to talk about some of the others because we know that there's stuff going on. We don't know what it is. Yeah. But there's definitely stuff going on. I mean, he's not like right, boys to he? men. No, boys yeah. to men are sort of firing up the vocals here. Yeah, yeah. Is, <laughs> I'm afraid is the it feels close to the end of the road with him in that. It's I mean, not... it won't be because of the finances because he's on a mega, mega, mega wage and it's impossible to get rid of him. But um, and th- that's deeply, deeply unhappy with him at the moment. And the thing with him is that we could keep him, and I don't mind keep, and he will he will do something for us in some games because he's got a beautiful touch on the ball. He's got lovely vision. He's got incredible feet. He's a good finisher. But in games like that one that we just saw last night, and I say this even though against Villarreal, he was away to Villarreal in that game when Carrick was the manager, he was good, but. Mm. In games like the one we saw last night, he is not someone I feel we will ever be able to rely on. Mm-hmm. And that's to do with intensity. And he, he doesn't have it. He just doesn't have it. No, and, and it's not something I would have labelled about him previously at all. I mean, saw him plenty for Dortmund. They were an intense side, and he was part of that. And it's not like he was there. When Raquel me floating around, like occasionally bothering to do something type player in that team, he was part of that intense setup. It's there's something not it's personal stuff. Not sure what it is, but there's something that's impacting him. Not sure. On on the other hand, perhaps the only player who came out of last night with anything was Anthony, who who actually wasn't bad again. He he's now put starting to put together the things that we saw he had very early on and the stuff that Ten Hag said he could do, and he's been our best attacker since the last few weeks. And yeah, I mean, I guess the other person who was a good night for was Bruno Fernandez. I mean, the, it was a really bad night for the Bruno shit lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. with him, I mean, that wouldn't it wouldn't have happened quite like that. I don't no, think. of course, it, of course, it wouldn't because the the level of intensity and, and his level of sort of demand from his fellow teammates is is really high, and he was very good at the weekend against Forest, probably one of his best games of the season. I thought, which is obviously yeah. different to Sevilla, Europa League, Sanchez, Pizjuan, but he, yeah, I mean, so. The coach I was talking about, I, I think I'm allowed to say this. Like, I'll I'll check it before we before we put this out. See, but what he said about Bruno is that what Bruno has is the ability to change what he's doing at the very last second that only the best players have. And he said he's got it. Modric has it, and Kevin De Bruyne has it. Where they scan, decide what yeah. they're going to do as the balls come. As the balls coming, then just before it comes, they look again. Yeah, and that's at that point where they have the ability to change what they do at the last second. Yeah, and the guy who the guy who told my friend this is a Premier League coach who's also involved. He's also involved with England, like, so yeah. I don't know. Like he's knows a, he's more got about a very high scan rate. Actually, there's in Y Scout you can check this on the on the, like you can like all of the nerdy stuff if you like. You can check the scan rate of different players. He's very high. Most central midfielders are very high on the scan rate, so constantly looking around hundreds of times per game. And him, it, De Bruyne is off the scale. 
just seems to he doesn't like it seems like he's got a sixth sense about what's going on around him it's not that he's just looking all looking the time. i mean it's, yeah. it can't be called it can't be called looking anymore it has to have a special football name like scanning right. <laughs> yes <laughs> in the same way that used to be defending from the front and now it's pressing yeah uh, but yeah bruno is one of the greatest lookers currently <laughs> currently in world football but uh, back to Anthony, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like, what I really like about him is the bravery. He always wants the ball. He'll always take the ball. And I also like the game intelligence. Obviously, we've talked about the final pass isn't always as you'd want it to be, but there's other aspects of game intelligence, that understanding where to be and what, what the positioning should be that is good. And as we've said, he's now attacking the space in behind and threatening the outside. And all he has to be is a threat. And it makes you an entirely different player. But it feels like he's gone away at the international break and sort of had to think about what to do because he's come back since then. And all the stuff that we wanted more of from him or some of seems to now be happening. And we're seeing we're seeing why we bought him. And it's quite pleasing to know, actually, because it means like it makes us able to feel more confident in Ten Hag's judgment. That yeah. Yeah, I mean he's he he. I think he got all his picks basically right. When Ericsson's fit, he makes a transformational difference to you know it's midfield. He, he was Martinez crap yesterday, been, though. He was crap yesterday. He was <laughs> crap, and and obviously Martinez brilliant. Malassia has been pretty good, young, developing. Casemiro, we know. Although Casemiro's gone from never getting booked to he he just he exists and he's now booked. He was he was not good last night. Actually. Referees have been listening to the pod when you proclaimed his pretty face allowed him to get away with stuff, and now they're just booking him for breathing. Like the, like the opposite, the inverse of when Fergie said that, and why they loved mainlining Rippins. <laughs> yeah, <But it's... laughs> Casemiro hasn't actually been good since he came back, and it, previously it seems to have taken him a few games. He's had four games now, so I feel like we drew a performance from him on Sunday and from now until the end of the season, really. Yeah. Of course, the worrying thing about Sunday, if we want to move on to Sunday, is that Brighton are a better side than Sevilla. So we're, be- we're, we're a better side than Sevilla as well. And, yeah. we, and it, is, it is different. Like I said the other day, that when we, I think it was when we were busy talking ourselves into a comfortable win for United. And I, I, when, I, when we stopped recording, I was thinking about it afterwards. And I thought, I can't believe they've done us again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, we, we, more for less. There was no dissent from either. Like we said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, Edward. Yeah, like, of course, Daniel. We'll, we'll smash these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just the now look. But yeah, Brighton. Brighton are a good team, but it is different at Wembley in the semi-final for a team. I feel like there's a bit more confidence in the team for that kind of game because I said that I thought that having to go to Sevilla and get a result would actually be quite good for the team, for a developing team. You wouldn't, I'd prefer it not to have been the case. But yeah, whereas it feels like there's a bit more know-how about how to make sure they get be Brighton in a cup semi-final to make I mean, sure been, that we're... In- it's going to be a very different game. I mean, Deserby is it's almost like... I mean, he's got them scoring goals. That may be a lot to do with Evan Ferguson, like making good and all that. But yeah, it's it's he's... he's 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 kept them playing in the the Potter style. They keep the ball really well. They they are not super super intense. It's not like and there won't be 
a mental atmosphere. I don't know whether that got to the players last night. It seemed to. Or at least, at least inspired the Sevilla players to I, pull out the performance I, of a season. I, you could see why why it might get to a player there, if you, especially if you're not used to it. That is distracting, or you just you don't feel as comfortable. It's different. Yeah. So there won't be uh, that. There's. It'll be a different it, it, team as well, probably. Well, you'd hope so. Bruno will come back into the team. Maguire's suspended, isn't he, for that semi-final? Yeah, he is. I think. Thinking. No, no, he is. I, I mean, my guess is it will be Shaw, Shaw and Lindelof and yeah. Malassia at left back so that when Varane is fit, it, you can just simply bin off Lindelof, yeah. Maguire having lost his place, not yeah. even through form, but through suspension. Yes, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, we, we didn't know. I mean, I, I don't, when Vaseca didn't do anything, especially last night to earn his place. So it's hard to say whether it's him I, or, or Dello, but. It's like I, was the, surprised, I was surprised it was him that was lost off, though. I mean, he wasn't. He definitely wasn't the worst of, of United's team last night. It could be him. could be Delo. It's toss-up at the moment, isn't it? I think you're probably right about Lindelof and, and Shaw at the back. Shaw's fit again. Ten Hag seems to trust him. And he, he did okay in those a few games before when he played at centre-back. I mean, it's it's obviously going to be Eriksen, Casemiro and Bruno in the centre midfield. And then up front, I mean, Rashford's fit again, I guess. Will he play through the middle or off the left? I think um, in the circumstances, I'd be playing him through the middle because... If, otherwise, assuming, it's, it's Vout. It's big Vout. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess we've got either Sancho, if you don't, on the left, if you don't play Sancho, it's Langer. And then... Yeah, and Anthony, obviously. But hopefully, I mean, Garnaccio would be fit, fit again soon, just in time to go off with Argentina. Yeah, I mean, what a bizarre situation that is where, I mean, he's back in training. He posted on social media and then they shifted the Under-20 World Cup away from Indonesia because, of course, the stadium tragedy and all of that. And or is it? No, no that's not why. It's because oh, no. it's, it's for anti-Semitism. Indonesia aren't hosting it because, uh, because Israel qualified and they won't play with Israel. That's right. I knew there was something about it. Awesome. But yeah, I mean, it'll be nice to have Garnacho back if we see much of him. When does that Under-20 World Cup start? It's, it's normally early, isn't it? Yeah. It's May. And, May. Awesome. And there'll, and there'll also be presumably some time they have to hang out beforehand. It's not just yes. get left for the first game. Yeah. Well, I guess it's a week now because of the new protocols, thanks to the, the Qatar World Cup. So, yes, we won't see much of him. I, I guess there's a few less games now that United are out of the, the Europa League. It frees up a couple of weeks, midweeks, and we wouldn't otherwise have had, or I guess one of them will have to be used to, to find that one spare game that hadn't been found yet, the Chelsea game. I guess if we, I feel like if, if we're in the cup final, you'd be wanting them to say, let us have him for this. But by the time he goes, we'll hopefully have top four sorted out. It's a big hope. I mean, fortunately, Spurs keep spursing it up. We, we had a very good weekend last weekend in terms of the results in the Premier League. So I, I think the 538 model shows us like 60-odd, high 60s percent making into the top four, which is about right. United would have to do something special to, to not get in the top four this time out. Now, Daniel, like to put a hypothetical to you, make the cup final or get into the cup final and get hammered by City. What's the uh, don't make the cup final or get into the what, what's our preference here or is that too negative? Uh, I Obviously, think, we want to win it. Yeah, we have to. Confident. I guess I feel like we have to get into it. 
we have to we have to we have to try and do something about it because I just cannot I cannot see Brighton beating City in the cup final. So I think that we have to try and put ourselves in a position to do it. And I'd much rather have done it and got it done in, in the semi. Although perhaps by the time the final comes, we're at, we might be in a slightly better shape because they'll have slogged through a whole bunch of games and we'll at least have Varane back, hopefully, for that. And they're yeah. playing pretty well at the moment. So it may be it may be that we're better off playing them in the final. But the idea that we lose to them in the final is obviously not a good one. But we, yeah, we, we need... No one else is going to sort this out for us, probably. So we do need to try and sort it out for ourselves. And yeah, it could go horrendously wrong. I mean, what can what can we say? Yes, I mean, I'm looking very nervously at that Manchester City fixture list now. It is not because it's daunting. that semi-finals a gimme. Obviously, then they've got Real Madrid in the Champions League semi. That's the final, basically, because neither of the Milan clubs are going to do City. Why can't we get to play a shit team in the Champions League final? Well, I wanted to put up the daddy. I mean, I, I, I know, I know it's that, and there is something that I like about the fact that the years we won the Champions League, we were the best team in Europe, and we had to beat a good team to do it. Yeah. But, like getting to play fucking Tottenham Hotspur in the final, like Liverpool did. Yeah, yeah, I know, and we got. Peak Pep Barcelona twice. But so, anyway, I mean, City have got nothing left. I mean, look at, apart from, I mean, obviously they are, the Champions League finals are the last one of the season. So they, they could like win the league, which I'd say is probably odds on now. I think they will beat Arsenal and Arsenal, like those those two last two, I know we talked about it in the last pod, but those two last two Arsenal games got me very nervous about their propensity to completely balls this up. And so they, I'd, I'd they say might City have done it already. Yeah, yeah. I feel I, like City are odds on for this. And then Real Madrid is touch and go for sure. Pep can come up with some weirdo 2-0-9 formation or something and completely balls that, that, that semi-final up. Of course he can. And let's like, touch every piece of wood you've got that that will happen. But you've got to say they're favourites for the FA Cup as well. So this is not good. No, no, our best season in a decade, and it could end in total ignominy. I, I think that if Arsenal can get a point on Wednesday, then they're in not a terrible position. If they lose, I think they're fucked because where I, it's hard to see City dropping points. Whereas Arsenal, let's say, if, if Arsenal draw with Newcastle and it's basically all over, that is that is easily possible. Whereas yeah, it's quite. I mean, but- they're playing, we're recording on Friday, they're playing Southampton at home tonight. You Normally you'd say no chance, but they've screwed up the last two games royally. So, But they didn't screw them up by not playing well, but I felt like a bit of overconfidence in both of those games where they, like, if you're 2-1 up, up at Anfield and you're that team with that defence, you can't sit on that lead. It was just, they didn't sit on that lead, I didn't feel, because they bottled it. They sounded it because they thought they could. Yeah, and that is not a defense that you would want to sit on the lead. It's a functional defense. It's an all right defense. It's but the point of that defense is really to get the ball down the other end quickly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. especially without Saliba, who is the best defender that they have, then then it doesn't look like they're going to have him for the rest of the season either. Now, yeah, That's like right. they, it felt like, and the, the West Ham game. I mean, it got too easily for them. I mean, we've seen games like that with United when we used to be good. Again, yeah. 
you play a game, you get too easy. And I saw some nerdy stats today. And sorry, I forget who was putting them on Twitter about average number of players between a shot and the goal. And United are off the charts, right? So number of blocks and average number of players between a shot and the goal is top right and miles ahead of everyone else. United put bodies between the ball and the goal. Liverpool are bottom left. They don't. And Arsenal are quite low on bottom left as well. So, I mean, I think that's United are very active defenders. And I think that's to do with Fernando Martinez, obviously. And kind of, I think it points a little bit to what you're saying about the Arsenal defence. They are, they're competent. But, uh, and, and actually, it's, I meant to say that when we were talking about Dave as well. Dave has faced about half the number of shots this season as he did last season. So it's because there you go. Yeah. 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 So. so it is, yeah, it's hard to see Arsenal saving us. It is quite hard to see Real Madrid saving us. I think that might work better as a final. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't like to like... I mean, football's all about stories and mythology, of course. And and I guess there's something about Sevilla in the Europa, but it shouldn't make any difference. There's nothing... There's no one in that Sevilla side that was in the last Sevilla team that won the Europa, but they seem to believe in it somehow. But, but that's but the Real thing, Madrid yeah. in the European Cup seems to have something, right? So, Yeah, if you believe in something, then you can you can make something happen that's beyond what's normal. And the power, the power of belief makes a massive difference. And Sevilla thought they were going to turn us over. And we thought that they might too. <laughs> and Harry Maguire was quite sure. I mean, me and you didn't. <laughs> no, no, we were super confident. Forgetting, forgetting in the triumvirate of shite we have at the back. But yeah. Oh, I don't mean to beat up. I, I really do hate like picking on individual players, except when it comes to Harry. Do you know his court case is still ongoing? There's something special about the Greek system where he was convicted in 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 his absence and given a 21-month suspended sentence. There's an automatic appeal, so that's kind of vacated until it comes around. But it's still on the docket, and it could, it could still be in the queue of trials to be had until 2028. I mean, is he not just going to go and say, no, it's De Gea's fault, but also partly Lindelof's fault? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I have nothing to prove and fuck yeah. the Greek civilization. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean I'm sure Maguire will go somewhere and be fine. He's a f- He'd be he's great fine. in Newcastle. I was ch- chatting to some friends yesterday. I mean that system that they play quite deep. They they don't take a lot of risks. They they move quite slowly. It would be perfect for Newcastle and we might get a, a few coins out of them. Yeah. It's just it's not United's not right for him, and he he was signing him was the biggest error that Ole made. I would say that if he'd have signed a midfield player with that money, the right one, or the right centre back, it would be very different. But one of the things that sort of is becoming more apparent as well that we could quite use is a third choice centre back because sure. yes, Varane is injury prone. Yes, Martinez isn't, but Varane's like Varane's not going to get less injury prone now. We need to be, I mean, I'm sure Ten Hag is thinking, who, who does he want to take over from Varane? And that is someone you should be slight, trying to get hold of yeah. now. You, you because... don't have much faith in Axel Turnzeb or Phil Jones making a, a comeback? I mean, Axel's an interesting one, isn't it? Because or, or Eric He Bay. looked like he was a player. Eric Bailly has played all of like 13 games in La Liga this season. Not injured, just suspended all the time. Axel, yeah, it, it is incredible how many centre-backs United 
have and probably should get rid of this summer. So, and probably can't. I think Phil Jones still has another year. Eric Bailly's out of contract. They could get a fee for Maguire, and someone would pay money for Lindelof. I mean, he's actually a useful squad player. I, 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 I somehow I, my expectations are lower, so I don't blame him quite as much. He's, I, he's, it's also his expectations of himself. He's so, not. He's not a good fourth up. choice. Yeah. Also, it feels like there's so much attention on Maguire now that people are waiting for him to make a mistake. He yeah. knows about it, and it makes catastrophe more likely. And I don't see that that's ever going to change. Yeah. Mendilabar was wandering around the penalty area before the before kickoff. And there was almost something like, this is where the action's going to happen, <laughs> around the penalty <laughs> spot. He, he could see it. So he couldn't, but yeah. I mean, the goals we conceded in this time. Can I just say the goals that we conceded in this tie? Just all of them. Just, just all dreadful. Absolutely, absolutely batshit goals to concede. We didn't even talk about Dave's Dave's lovely control for the third goal, did we? Yeah, I mean, that so was... what, what happened to his feet? Did he trip over himself? <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, on the plus side, I've made some absolutely brilliant barbecue chicken today. Nice, nice. However, the problem is that it's not to be served until tomorrow, and. Some things get better. This needs to be served off straight, straight off. Really, you made it a day early. A bit presumptuous. <laughs> we got people coming for lunch, and it's Shabbat, so I can't yeah. cook. Uh, of course, that, yeah. that, that, that's why I would much rather, yeah, have, have 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 done that because then it comes off the grill, and it's. I've recently discovered brining. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, that right. recently. There's a there's a thing they do in Texas, where they brine the chicken for ages, and it makes it really plump they stick a beer can in its ass and dump it into an oil can worth of not actual oil oil cooking oil and deep fry the chicken it comes out really nice yeah yeah i think i'm from i mean i was because during lockdown basically did something i mean it's extremely tory but i guess also just extremely american just bought spent spent lots of money on the barbecue and i actually use it almost every week like i cook for shabbat basically every week and I almost always cook on the barbecue just because it's nice. better. But nice. yeah, we have a rotisserie basket. Nice. It's so compelling to just stand there and watch it, <laughs> watch it go round and round. But um, I, I bought, I spent $600, which is insane. I never spend this on cooking equipment, on an uni oven for pizzas. Beautiful. Pizza oven. Lovely. So nice. Do you have so an outdoor nice. kitchen? We don't. I, I'm thinking about it. We've got a... a a really nice big deck though and a nice garden and uh, so yeah that's just just so american so i mean i watch a lot of it real housewives and the yeah, outdoor yeah. the outdoor kitchen is one of those things i see on real housewives like always i want one. don't, I want don't one have so that much. quite but it is nice yeah i was telling you talking to tories and and barbecues i was at a, a barbecue at the weekend in in la and managed to get chatting to let's say you know there's fox news and there's even more right-wing versions of fox news one of the pundits on there. Fox hunting news. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who introduced himself. This first line with, I was like, hi, what you do? Never met the guy before. He was like, have you heard of something called wokeism? And I was like, <laughs> that's his first line. I was like, oh no, it's going to go down from here. 
So it was, as you can imagine, long-time listeners would uh, imagine, it was quite an entertaining conversation. What did you say? Have you heard of wokeism? Yes? No? I, I was like, yes. <laughs> like, expand. And so he went off into all the greatest hits. Anti-woke, non-tofu eating, Twitterati, or whatever. He, he didn't use those exact words, but it was very much that. I, I should have pointed him to the pod, really, and all the political conversation we have on here. It's it's so nuts that I that just the idea of wokeism or whatever, which what does it actually mean? Oh no, I, not, not exactly being what I said. An, not being an asshole to people that are weaker than you. Yeah, yeah. So talking of which, we should not be an asshole to Harry Maguire because I'm 47 years old and uh, my back's fucked, but I could take a ball and turn and pass it. I reckon. <laughs> what with those three strikers coming towards you? I reckon I'd give it a shot. I couldn't he have gave, done worse. That that is that is true. Uh, but I mean, I, I do. I feel sorry for Maguire. I think he's a nice guy. And in order to do what he's doing, you do have to have a high opinion of yourself, and you do have to keep telling it to yourself. Because if you don't, then this, if if you're already doubting yourself when everyone else is doubting you, then it's you're going to get yeah. what you saw. But it just it doesn't really feel like he believes it. It's and it's. It's sad when people endure very public findings out. Mm-hmm. And that is what has happened to him over the course of quite a long time. He's been found out in public in an environment that is extremely intolerant of fault and weakness and mm-hmm. dignity, which means that he's become he's become this figure of fun, not just for dickheads with podcasts like us. Mm-hmm but for people throughout the football world. So now he goes to play for England and he's got dickheads giving him aggravation. Yeah, well, every he got booed against Forrest. I mean, I know that's because of his history and all of that kind of stuff, but he's, uh, immediately people get onto him. He he should never have done that meme in the 2018 Russian World Cup where he was chatting up at, at what is his sister, I think, not not a random lady. And he should never have put that penalty right into the top corner for England. Where they said, be like Neymar. Yeah. That was a great penalty. It always yeah, I mean, that. honestly, just as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah, a Pressman special. Yeah. So, all right, we'll leave it there. We'll be back after the weekend. Backers, we'll, we'll, let's do a, we'll do a long backers piece after the weekend, I think. I know Dan has to run, so we will, we'll bet with you. My travels are over, so we'll get back on the usual schedule. Everyone else, see you after United 3, Brighton 0. No? Please. <laughs> If you like the show, the way you can support us best is by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And it really doesn't matter what you say in that review either. You can say you'd rather we talked about Manchester City and Liverpool. Just hit those five stars. Many thanks.